Hello, welcome to Pep Talks, People Empowering People, where we interview everyday people telling their stories of not-so-everyday resiliency. We hope to inspire you get through your adversity after learning their stories. Pep Talks is brought to you by Mind Over Matter Books, children and adults books that allow you to learn skills to overcome your adversity so that you can live a more resilient life. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Today I'm here with Lynn Tomsick, who is a teacher who has taught math for 27 years in the Brooklyn and North Olmsted City Schools, where she is presently teaching Honors Integrative Three and Trigonometry at the high school. Lynn has had quite the journey since the summer of 2018, which she will share with us. Lynn has always been an upbeat, fun, and friendly woman who I am sure has some good lessons of resiliency for all of us to learn. Well, welcome, Lynn. Thank you. Thanks, Casey. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, are willing to share your story and your journey, because I know it's been quite a year and a half for you, and I just appreciate you taking the time and having the courage to share what's going on with you, and I'm hoping that people can walk away with some good advice for dealing with a few of the things that you've been through that they may have been going through right now, too. So to begin with, why don't you just uh, tell me a little bit of what took place starting in July of 2018? Well, yeah, I was, you know, off for the summer and went down to Ikea in Columbus with a couple teacher friends and just went down for the day, had lunch and went to Ikea. And on our way home, we got in quite a serious car accident with six other vehicles on I-71. And, um, all of us had to be transported to the hospital via ambulance. And most of, you know, we were okay. Most of our injuries were, were not very severe, you know, broken ribs and some back issues for all of us. And, um, you know, one of our friends had to stay in a rehab facility for a while, but, you know, we kind of all came out of it okay. And after that, I had decided to hire a lawyer uh, to represent me as part of the accident. And he kept encouraging me, you know, keep going back to your doctors, you know, follow up. And, you know, I had some kind of bruises and contusions and things on my hips that I was getting checked out. And I eventually went to an orthopedic and who uh, instructed me if it didn't get better, I should probably have an MRI done. And, you know, I kind of went to see him a few times. He gave me some cortisone shots, things like that. And, um, you know, then the holidays happened and, you know, I waited till after then. And so finally in January or February, I think, so this was a July accident. And then probably by January, February, I went and got the MRI and, um, on a Saturday and on a Monday I had all these missed calls on my phone and just wondering, I had no idea. I wasn't thinking like who that, who they were from. And finally at one of them, you know, happened during my lunch period, I was at school teaching and uh, I picked up and it was the orthopedic doctor who I'd seen. And he told me he wanted me to have a biopsy on something that he saw on my MRI. And it was really scary for me at first because it was weird because it was the, the right side of my hip is where I was having problems. And I said, are you sure it's the left side? And this was something completely un unrelated to the accident. So, you know, a lot of my friends have said that it was a blessing in disguise to be in that car accident because, you know, I had no, I had no symptoms. I, um, I just, you know, 
went and was following up on my lawyer's advice and, and this MRI showed a, a tumor, a mass in my pelvic area um, on my left side near my sciatic notch, which was a kind of a bad place to have a tumor because of all the uh, nerves and everything in that sciatic area. Um, so eventually I, um, I switched to Cleveland Clinic, the, their sarcoma team there. My brother, who's a physician, kind of got me hooked up with a radiologist who's a member of the sarcoma team and um, started my regimen of, um, of radiation therapy. I had that for five weeks. I would drive down to the Tosic Cancer Center after school every day for five weeks, and which really made me very, very tired. That was the biggest biggest part of that. And uh, then I had surgery in June of um, 2019 and had the tumor removed. And I was happy that my, my doctor was able to, you know, uh, he's a very good, well-respected doctor in this field. And he was able to kind of tell me all the possible outcomes and things so that I felt prepared for it and um, was able to recover over the summer and return to school in August. So it was quite a, quite a thing <laughs> that happened to me. So. Wow. Wow. What a, what a wild adventure there. I mean, to think that this, this accident almost did kind of uh, save you there because with this orthopedic insisting on you getting this MRI, he was able to find something unrelated to the accident on the left side instead of that right side. Wow. And something I didn't, you know, I never, I didn't even have symptoms from it. They said that tumor could have grown for grown for years probably because uh, it was kind of a slow growing cancer. So, wow. Wow. So I like that, you know, your friends and you kind of saw this as a blessing in disguise. It's a, that's a great attitude. And, and I'm also really impressed that you were able to work for five weeks and after every day go yeah. to radiation, which most teachers are very tired after teaching all day. I can't imagine the exhaustion you felt teaching all day and then going to radiation. Yeah. Yeah. You know how it is. I mean, there were days when I would just go to radiation and it was a quick, you know, a quick radiation. It wasn't like I was in there for hours or anything. It just, you know, they only zap you for a couple minutes, you know, here, you know, during your session. But, um, you know, there were times when I would come home and maybe eat a bowl of cereal and just fall asleep. I just, you know, it was just all I could do to just stay, you know, stay the course and, and, and keep going to school. So, but it, that's, that's kind of what helped me too, is being able to feel normal and still going to school and still, you know, doing my normal thing. So. So that's what kind of got you through that feeling of normalcy. Totally. You know, they kept saying at work, we'll take days if you need to do it. And I didn't want to, because you know how it is. It's harder to, t- to have a sub for you at school than it is to just go in. And um, I just wanted to keep that consistency for myself and for my students, just because it made me feel like I was okay. I was doing okay. So you had this good mindset that, and purpose of being needed by the kids as much as they needed you. Tell me about the people besides the students that helped you get through this difficult, challenging time for you? Well, I mean, number one, my family was very supportive and helpful, and um, especially my sister when I was home recovering after my surgery and everything. You know, I was using a walker and uh, had to sleep on the first floor because I couldn't get up the stairs to go to my bedroom and, you know, things like that. So she was instrumental, especially in the rest of my family, for sure. Uh, my coworkers and my friends were just fantastic. My coworkers like took up a big collection for me. 
which enabled me to, you know, hire a lawn service for the summer and, uh, you know, get food and things like that that I couldn't do on my own in the summer. Um, so my coworkers and uh, just a, you know, list of visitors daily I would get from my coworkers um, and my friends, you know, my extended family, I guess I call them my friends, you know, just uh, visiting me and sending cards and uh, calling and checking on me and that kind of thing that really helped me get through everything. Wow. You were certainly blessed to have a nice support system. And wow, how thoughtful of your coworkers to be able to take up a collection and you to be able to use that for things like the lawn care and the food, stuff that you weren't able to access or do because of your you know, recovery time. Is there anything that um, hits your mind right now that was like really out of the ordinary that somebody or something uh, was done for you that you were just overwhelmed by? Well, the one thing was my my sister-in-law had set up um, food to be delivered through a place called the Village Project, which is in Bay Village. And uh, they delivered food to me for 12 weeks, um, starting on like the week after I came home for my surgery, days after I came home for my surgery. And even while my sister was there as my caregiver, they would send another serving for her. And they would send, uh, I think it was three meals a week. Um, for 12 weeks, they deliver those to me. And they provide meals like that for people who are recovering and in treatment from cancer. Um, so my sister-in-law set that up for me, and it was just fantastic. It was great. And it was all healthy food. All the, you know, They try to do things that are healthy and um, good for you and you know, not a lot of junk. So that was, was good. It was very good. I have never heard of that program. So it's out of Bay Village, and it's called The Village Project? Yes. Yes. Wow. And they'll send you food throughout the weeks that you're recovering. That's unbelievable. I wasn't aware of that, pro- that program. That's yeah. Amazing. And it started small. I think it started maybe just in Bay Village and a couple other communities. And now they deliver to Bay Village, Rocky River, um, Avon, you know, like kind of all the surrounding communities around Bay Village. So, um, you know, I had a set time, uh, I think it was Thursdays at 530. And, you know, it was usually my friend Pat would come up to the door and deliver my bag of food for the week. And it was just great. It was very nice. And they always brought a little uh, little vase of flowers and usually hand painted by some groups in the community and with a little note with everybody signed, signed it and just, you know, something to kind of brighten up your week. Wow. That is yeah. beautiful. I never heard of this organization. That is amazing. Like, do they take donations? Do you know how they? they... Yeah. In fact, I I donated after I was, you know, recovered and had finished everything. And, you know, I I did send a donation to them. Um, So for sure they do. And, you know, they even have, um, you know, students groups, I think they're mostly Bay Village student groups go in and, you know, they train you how to prepare the food and stuff and they get everything ready and package it and everything. So it's all volunteers um, that uh, work at the organization, but just a really really great group for a lot of people in this area. Wow. What I did. Yeah. Never knew about that with all my friends who are dealing with cancer. That's a great, great source. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was certainly a huge act for your sister-in-law to set up. And that obviously still resonates with you and, and really moved you, which yeah, how beautiful. I mean, yeah. How are you supposed to be able to cook? And that's, that's wonderful. Right. So tell me, I you know, you and I worked together and we used to have a, a lot of fun 
back when we were in Brooklyn. And those are some of my fondest memories ever. So I know you have a good sense of humor. What, what did you do during this time to try to keep things light and keep your mood kind of in a happy, fun place? I think it was just, uh, like I said, it was in the summer. So a lot of my teacher friends were off work. And if they offered to come over and hang with me for a while, I let them do it. And, you know, just uh, when I was able to, after I got off the off the heavy drugs and after I got off the walker, when I was able to kind of leave my house and, and get out more, just, you know, taking me out to dinner. And I remember one of my friends that who you know, who you taught with at Brooklyn too, took me to lunch the one day and took me school shopping in August, you know, a couple of weeks before school started. And that, you know, was very helpful because I wasn't able to carry stuff on my own. I was using a walker or a cane. Well, even when I went back to school, I used a cane for the first couple of weeks. But um, so just things like that, that just made me, like I said, if it made me feel normal, you know, going out to lunch, going, sitting on a patio somewhere. Um, uplifting just coming to my Yeah, uplifting me, just coming over to my house and sitting with me, even if it was inside or outside and uh, just, you know, just hanging out and hearing about their life and their, you know, normal things going on and just that kind of thing. And offering the laughter along yes, with it. Yeah, lots of sure. belly laughs, I'm sure, throughout their visits. And uh, with your friend taking you out to eat and shopping, I'm sure that was funny memories for you. And that laughter is just so important to help us heal and help us connect and help normalize us. And we, yeah. we can't lose sight of our sense of humor during times of adversity. So I'm glad that you had your friends to come out and uplift you in that way. Yeah. Um, I know you were kind of uh, disabled there for a bit with the inability to walk on your own uh, without the cane, but what did you do then to relax and take care of you during this time? Uh, I don't, I think I was really, I just was kind of focused on the goal of getting back to school in August. So, you know, I listened to all my doctors, I did all my physical therapy, you know, in, in, inpatient for a while. I mean, in my house for a while and then going out for therapy and uh, doing stuff on my own. And just, I really was just focused on that goal of getting back to school on time. So, um, you know, I ate well and I, you know, was taking care of myself in that way and just listening to what my doctors told me to do. Good little patient you are. <laughs> you were really focused on that goal and the PT kind of served as your daily workout, your exercise that kept your body moving forward in the right direction. Right. Good for you. Good for you. And then, you know, throughout this time, it, trying to get through a difficult time, we have to keep, like you said, your goals and, and our dreams. So ultimately, you know, what, what were you striving for? Like, what is, what is your dream? What are you working towards in life? What is your purpose and dream? Well, I mean, as far as this went, I was just hoping to be healthy, you know, and, and to have the cancer gone. And, you know, I'll be on this protocol for a long time of, of checking me and uh, just keeping, you know, having scans and, and just keeping making sure that the cancer is truly gone. Um, but, you know, I just I just want to be able to finish my career as a teacher and and, you know, bring my expertise of math to my students and just, you know, continue on with what I've what I've always done. and. And, uh, you know, hopefully after I get through, I'll, have, I'll be on a time on a 10 year surveillance for my cancer and that'll coincide with right, right when I'm about to retire. So that's my goal. I'm looking forward to retiring and, 
in traveling and, and uh, being cancer free. Love that. Love it. Yes. And um, I know you love your career. I, I know you have a passion of teaching and that you're very good at it. I know my niece had you and loved having you as a teacher. And I love that you are, are still loving your career, which is beautiful. And I love that you still have this dream that, okay, in 10 years, at that point, you'll be cancer free and be able to retire. Uh, until that, that time, do you have any travel plans once we clear, of course, this um, coronavirus? Well, yeah, I mean, I do have a, a trip planned for July. It's, an, it's a Mediterranean cruise, actually, with 16 people that I know most of them. I don't know all of them. But, yeah, so that's what we're looking at right now is hopefully that'll still happen. And, you know, I had two bad summers in a row, so I think I deserve a good one this summer. So I was hoping to get to go on that cruise. Right. So we'll see what happens about come July. Three is a charm. Let's make this yep. a good one, people. Where so. are we going to visit in Mediterranean? Uh, we were flying into Venice and going to be there for a couple of days. And then we were going to visit two cities in Croatia and three cities in Greece and then back to Venice. So looked like a really good itinerary. I was really excited about it. I've never been to that area. I've been to Venice before, but not to Greece or Croatia. So sounds beautiful. Yeah. And what, a, you know, right. A, what a great uh, short-term goal. Like, okay, you know what? I had two crappy summers this summer. I'm getting out. I'm going on a couple week cruise. Mm-hmm. visiting Venice, Croatia, Greece, all beautiful areas. Good for you. Those kind of short-term goals help us and short-term dreams help us to get to the end all dream. You might find your uh, retirement villa when, yeah. you're, when you're out there for your Hopefully. tenure plan. That's wonderful. Go. Well, uh, Lynn, I really appreciate your time today and sharing your story. It's been a real challenging year and a half, and you never lost your spirit. You you continue to have this positive attitude. I love that you still went to work while undergoing your radiation each day. My gosh, that took so much strength. Radiation alone can wipe you out. Teaching all day wipes you out. You had a double whammy there, and you still did it each day, and I'm, I'm really, really impressed. I, I really am. And I love that you have such a huge... Uh, support system of family, extended family, and your co-workers. That just shows what a good human being you are to have so much support and love from all these people from all around. You've obviously done done good out there, and you got that back from all these people during these tough times, and that speaks volumes. And I'm glad that you you know are working on keeping yourself healthy and doing all that the doctor tells you to do so that every time you have to check in and have those scans, they come back positive. I've, of course, been praying for you since this began, and will continue to pray for the next 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Casey. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you, Lynn Tomsick, for sharing your story of adversity and giving us some nice tips about how to be resilient, focusing on our goals and our dreams, surrounding ourselves with loving people, and continuing to have our purpose in life. Thank you again, Lynn. Thanks, Casey. Today's takeaway from my interview with Lynn Tomsick the following. Sometimes one challenging experience can turn out to be a blessing in disguise. Also, 
trying to resume normalcy by working during a time of illness may help you recover better. Always set short-term and long-term goals and dreams to help you during difficult times. And finally, the Village Project out of Bay Village, Ohio, is an amazing volunteer program that offers meals to those recovering and in treatment for cancer. Today's gratitude is let passion be your motivation. Well, that's it for today's interview. We hope our guests helped you overcome some of your adversity and learn some new resiliency skills to help you to live a more fulfilled life. Keep on dancing and don't stop believing.